0: In 1905, Henry Ford went down the shore. He visited America's oldest seaside resort, the town of Cape May, for the purpose of auto racing. If you're at all familiar with Cape May, with its menagerie of Victorian homes, and at least at that time, prim Victorian sensibilities, auto racing in Cape May are incongruous with one another. Yet, the Cape May Auto Club sponsored beach races on a stretch of sand called Poverty Beach. The idea of racing one of his cars as the waves of the Atlantic crashed along the shore held incredible appeal for Henry Ford. Whom did he race? Why, none other than Louis Chevrolet, who was a bit of an upstart as he hadn't yet started selling his own line of cars. Joining the two auto giants were A.L. Campbell and Walter Christie, race enthusiasts from New Jersey. On August 25, 1905, these four gathered at Poverty Beach with 20,000 onlookers waiting to see who would claim the title of champion, although everyone guessed it would be Ford. He'd retrofitted his Model K car into what he called a beach skimmer and even had a pit crew in the event anything went awry. And everything went awry. Ford's beach skimmer hit the skids when a rogue wave nearly swept it into the sea. This gave Louis Chevrolet, who drove a Fiat, an early lead. But he, too, was a victim of the beach when he ran into a soft spot of sand and lost the headway he'd gained on Ford and the other racers. Although I've often heard this story told on the streets of Cape May with Chevrolet as the victor, he'd actually came in second. A.L. Campbell won the race that day. A one-mile race on a stretch of Cape May Beach that would earn the victor bragging rights was over in 38 seconds. And Campbell sure did earn his bragging rights that day. To say he beat automotive giant Henry Ford, well, that was a true claim to fame. In this episode, we're heading to what I like to call the most beautiful place on Earth, the city of Cape May, New Jersey. But fear not, our tale has strong roots in the city of brotherly love. Today, we're talking about the Physick family, Dr. Philip Singh Physick, who's considered the father of American surgery, and Dr. Emlyn Physick who followed in his grandfather's footsteps by earning a medical degree, yet never actually practiced medicine. Emlyn preferred the life of a country gentleman and set up shop in an enormous mansion in Cape May, New Jersey, a Gothic Revival home that dwarfs nearly every other property in town. And with a description like Gothic Revival and Victorian, you know it has to be haunted. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this Twisted journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly there's more mischief mayhem and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than billy penn could have ever imagined we've got it all here on the twisted philly podcast true crime haunted history the coolest and creepiest places to visit welcome Welcome to to twisted Twisted Philly. philly When this episode drops, I will be in the most beautiful place on earth. That's what I call Cape May, New Jersey. It's my home away from home. Some days I prefer it even to Philadelphia. So considering I'm enjoying all of the sights and sounds and Victorian delights that Cape May has to offer, I thought I'd share some of it with you, but still keep ties to the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. When Philip Singh Physic was a boy, he wanted to be a silversmith like his father. He had a strong desire to work with his hands, but his father had other ideas about Philip's future. Technically, he still wound up working with his hands nonetheless. The elder physic made his son go into medicine. Philip Physic enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania to study medicine in Philadelphia until 1788 when he traveled abroad at just 20 years old to study surgery in London. Very early on, physic demonstrated a skill that surpassed his peers, and he soon became the house surgeon at St. George's Hospital. Four years later, he returned to Philadelphia, where he worked at Bush Hospital helping yellow fever victims during the epidemics in 1792 and 1794. Dr. Physic contracted yellow fever during both epidemics, yet recovered each time, which is miraculous, Even though he was called out by his fellow physicians for his extreme measures when treating yellow fever patients, including excessive bloodletting, Dr. Physick was appointed the chair of surgery at the University of Pennsylvania, his alma mater. Here's a little known fact about Philip Physick. He is considered one of the founders of soft drinks, soda or pop, depending on where you're from. In 1807, he learned of a man named Schweppes, carbonating water in Europe, and physic thought this could have some medicinal value for patients. There's no indication in the history books regarding why he thought carbonated water may possess healing properties. And once he realized it had no medicinal value, it said he continued carbonating water and adding fruit juices for flavor, creating a Victorian version of LaCroix. In 1815, Dr. Physic legally separated from his wife, Elizabeth Emlyn, with whom he had three children. First, a daughter named Susan, who died as a child, a son named Emlyn, who was the father of Dr. Emlyn Physick Jr., the one with ties to Cape May that we'll be talking about today, and his youngest child, Ellen Elizabeth. The separation meant Dr. Philip Physick had to separate from a very hefty dowry Elizabeth brought with her to the marriage 15 years earlier. As part of the separation, Elizabeth retained two properties she'd inherited through her dowry. Both tracts of land had multiple residences, so she was able to support her children and live off the rent earned from those buildings. She earned a little over $2,000 each year in rent, which you may think was quite a bit of money at the time. However, today, that's equal to about $28,000. Imagine supporting three children on an annual salary of less than thirty dollars Plus, it was just one-fourth of what Physic earned as a surgeon. According to their deed of separation, dated September 7, 1815, Elizabeth was permitted to take her property by her husband's permission. Imagine that. She was allowed to retain property she owned because her husband allowed her to do so. Okay, I get it. It was 200 years ago. At the time, Philadelphia's Victorian rumor mill hinted the cause for Elizabeth and Philip's separation was her wandering eye. Apparently, she was in love with her husband's nephew, Dr. John Singh Dorsey, whose portrait hangs today in the medical school of the University of Pennsylvania. Looking at that portrait, well, you can see how Dorsey cut quite a dashing image. Dorsey was also a significant contributor to the medical community. In 1811, he performed the first successful aneurysm surgery and wrote the country's first surgery textbook. Yes, here in Philadelphia, we are obsessed with our firsts. Like his uncle, Dorsey held prominent positions at the University of Pennsylvania, including anatomy chair. And he accomplished all this before he died at only 35 years old. Okay, let's skip ahead about 40 years. Philip Physic's son Emlyn is married and now has a family of his own, his son Emlyn Jr, born in Philadelphia in 1855. Although "married might be too formal, a term for Emlyn Sr. and Francis Ralston, Emlyn Jr.'s mother. Although they were together, Emlyn Sr. and Francis weren't technically married. His mother had to petition the courts in Philadelphia to have Emlyn Jr. legitimized and given the name Physic. Imagine how difficult that must have been for a woman back in the 1800s. And thank goodness she was successful in her endeavors because at only four years old, Emlyn inherited quite a fortune when his father passed away in 1859. By 1876, Emlin earned his medical degree and was now known as Dr. Emlin Physic. although he never actually practiced medicine. He longed for a simpler life, that of a country gentleman, so he packed up and moved to Cape May, New Jersey. If you look at a map of the United States, take a look at New Jersey. Now move down to the bottommost tip of Jersey and you'll see Cape May. It's literally exit zero off the highway. Cape May looks like a peninsula, but it's actually an island. You'll cross a very small bridge as you head into town. Hundreds of years ago, it was actually called Cape Island. Shortly after arriving in Cape May, Physick purchased 11 acres of land and hired Philadelphia architect Frank Furness to build him a show place. The home took years to construct, so Physick lived in a carriage house built before the main house. In 1879, this Gothic Revival mansion towered over Washington Street and every other property in Cape May. It has 18 rooms, and although it's only three stories tall, when you stand before this home, you feel as if you're a Lilliputian in Gulliver's Travels. Frank Furness was a renowned Philadelphia architect. During the 1800s, he built close to 600 properties around the city. He was known for building on a gargantuan scale. And while at the time they were built, his designs were popular, eventually most of the furnace properties around Philadelphia were demolished. They were considered garish eyesores and had fallen out of favor. You can still see a few furnace designs in the city, including the Fisher Fine Arts Library at the University of Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, and the First Unitarian Church. There's also a furnace property in Fox Chase called the Knowlton Mansion, built in 1881. Just a few years after the Physic Estate, and the two properties look very similar in their gothic revival and stick-style architecture. The Physic Estate looks as if part of the foundation, or the interior structure, is on the outside, rather than hidden under miles of gingerbread like so many other homes of the time in Cape May. It features an enormous wraparound porch with large brackets that look like sticks. The Physic Estate has numerous dormers, like so many other Victorian properties around the city. The entire town is on the National Historic Registry. But the dormers at the Physic Estate are hooded, which adds to their scale and the enormity of the property. The chimneys look like they've been installed upside down. And as I hear myself talk, I realize I'm describing what sounds like an eyesore, but it isn't. It's actually quite remarkable. The inside of the estate is equally compelling. Furnace was also a master at interiors, and he worked with many interior designers in Philadelphia to create show places inside homes as well as outside. The fireplaces in the Physic Estate are massive. Some even have the original mirrors Furnace installed for Dr. Physic. There is so much wood inside everywhere you look, including a massive staircase that takes visitors up to the third floor. The ceilings are wood polished woods fill every room and hallway. Some of the furniture in the physic estate is original to the property, although it's also been filled with other antiques of the time. Dr. Emlyn Physic lived in his estate for nearly 40 years with his mother Frances and her maiden aunts Emily and Isabel Parmener, although Aunt Isabel passed away in 1883, just a few years after they moved in. He farmed and raised livestock, he invested in real estate, and was the president of the Cape May SPCA, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Animals were a passion of physics. Perhaps he should have trained in veterinary medicine instead. Maybe he would have actually worked. He loved dogs and had so many beautiful dogs living on the estate during his lifetime. Physic passed away at 58 in 1916, just one year after his mother Frances died, leaving the house to his Aunt Emily. passed away in 1935. Emily left the home to her neighbor, Francis Brooks, who cared for Emily before her death. Over the next 30 years, the Physic Estate was allowed to falter. The property wasn't maintained, and eventually it was sold to developers who planned to demolish the estate and build houses. I remember driving past the Physic Estate when I was very little, when my family was at the beach driving from one spot in Cape May to another, and to me, it was the big scary house. You could barely see the front porch because of weeds that grew in some places as tall as trees. It was ominous and looked like something from which even the monsters might shy away. In the 70s, a group of Cape May residents who wanted to preserve the history of this estate and couldn't bear the idea of it being torn down formed an association called the Mid-Atlantic Center for the Arts and Humanities, or MAC. MAC is an active organization to this day. They run tours of the properties and other parts of the island, celebrating Cape May's rich history. Mac convinced the city to buy the physic estate, and the city then leased it to Mac. It is this group of people we have to thank for saving this piece of Philadelphia that sits grandly on Cape May soil. You can tour the house today, and I highly encourage you to take the tour. The property is absolutely incredible. The interior and exterior restorations are impeccable, including restored Victorian wallpaper. Outside are beautiful gardens and the carriage house where Emlyn Physick first resided while the main house was under construction. What's an episode about history without a little haunting? Many of the Victorian properties in Cape May are considered to be haunted, there are haunted trolley tours and haunted walking tours all over the city. Cape May, New Jersey is at the southern tip of New Jersey and it's known as America's original seaside resort. It also happens to be one of the most haunted spots in the country. Cape May has a lot of very rich history. Many of the buildings were destroyed in a great fire first in 1869, then in 1878. So everything was sort of rebuilt. Quite a few haunts date in the late 1800s or early 1900s, when you experience something on the paranormal level, it's typically a feeling or a sensation. You hear something, you, you feel something go by, you get something out of the corner of your eye. But when you do have that rare experience of seeing an apparition, it usually looks like a, a regular person sitting there. But you look, they're there, you look away, you look back, and then when they're not there, that's when you realize, wow, that, what was that? Local author Craig McManus is the resident Cape May ghost expert. He's published three books about his experiences with hauntings in Cape May. And yes, the Physic Estate is rumored to be haunted, primarily by the ghost of Aunt Emily, although McManus claims he's witnessed multiple ghosts at the Physic Estate, including Emlyn and his mother. Perhaps it's because she lived there longer than any other family member, and she lived there alone for quite some time, Aunt Emily is considered to be the most active spirit there. Some folks believe she stayed because she loved the home so well, and when she saw it begin to fall into disrepair, continued to stay on to watch over the house. Mac staff members claim they've had haunted experiences in the Carriage House, where McManus believes a ghost of a servant or driver lives. It's the spirit of someone who perhaps worked there and spent a great deal of time at the Carriage House during their life. I question that a bit, because the Carriage House is also where many of the Mac staff members for the Physic Estate work. It is a bustling hub, There's a cafe, there's a gift shop, it's where you buy your tickets, it's where you might use a restroom before you tour the main house. It doesn't seem like a very settled place for a ghost to call home. The house and property are also haunted by many of Physics' dogs. More often than not, their spirits are sensed outside, but occasionally someone will sense the spirit of a dog or two inside the estate. According to legend, Emlyn's mother Frances never let the dogs in the house but Aunt Emily was very fond of the dogs, and she used to sneak them in. After Francis passed away, the dogs spent a great deal more time inside, including eating their meals in the kitchen. Perhaps the ghost dogs come in the house when Emily is active because they miss their time with her. McManus calls the Physic Estate the best haunting experience he's had in his career. The Physic Estate offers a variety of tours, including a combo trolley and estate tour, where first you'll tour the city for about 30 minutes on the most adorable red trolley. Then it stops at the Physic Estate, where you get out, wander the grounds, and tour the mansion. A few times a year, the estate offers midnight ghost tours hosted by, you guessed it, ghost expert Craig McManus. I've toured the estate, but I've never done a ghost tour there, and that's something I would very much enjoy doing. There is so much more to see and do in Cape May, New Jersey, in addition to the Physic Estate. Simply walking the streets, you are transported back in time. You feel as if you are in the Victorian era, strolling past properties with his and her staircases because, remember, gentlemen couldn't walk up the same staircase as a lady for fear he might get a glimpse of her ankles. The gingerbread that adorns these houses is unlike anything you'll see anywhere else. And the lush plants and flowers and trees, well, it's sort of our version of the Garden District. There's so much rich history in Cape May, including some sordid history that folks don't quite expect when you're in this very charming, pristine Victorian town. There's one house in particular that has a very unique style of gingerbread adornments. And this is something you should keep an eye out for whenever you walk through the historic district in this or any other Victorian city. You'll see gingerbread in the shape of clubs, hearts, diamonds, and aces. That was an indication that it was a gambling house. So while on the outside, the residence may have seemed just as prim and proper as its neighbors, what went on inside was a little different. There's another property that's one of my favorites. It's the original apothecary in Cape May. And what's so interesting about this building is that its three stories operated very different businesses. On the top floor was a brothel. On the second floor was a gambling den. And the bottom ground floor was the apothecary. Gentlemen would hit the second floor first, play a few rounds of cards, and if they were lucky enough, they'd take their winnings up to the third floor and spend a few hours with a lovely lady. Occasionally, though, those visits might result in the gentleman leaving with a little more than they expected, so a visit to the pharmacist or the apothecary was necessary before they left the building. There are so many wonderful historic tales in the city of Cape May. Cape May is unlike any other Jersey Shore destination. You truly do feel like you have been transported back in time. If you're the kind of beachgoer that loves big boardwalks and rides and all of the lights and sounds, well then, Cape May isn't for you. You could certainly hop back on the parkway, head up to Wildwood that's just a few miles away, hit their boardwalk, which is crazy, and then come on back to Cape May for a little peace, a little quiet, and a lot of history. I want to thank you for indulging me with this road trip to one of my most favorite places on earth. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.